Hey, hey, Haley. Hey, Haley. Yes. What is the best hotel you've ever stayed in? Hmm. The best hotel that I have ever stayed in was probably when uh, my husband, Michael, was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. And we went to this really nice beach resort that was like on a peninsula facing the water. It was really fun. Yes. And I ate a lot of purple potato ice cream. And I know that sounds gross, but it's like a sweet potato and it's so good. I ate so much purple potato ice cream. But what about nice. you? <laughs> what, what, what did you like about that hotel specifically besides it being on the beach? Like, was there uh, something that makes it stand out? Uh, they would always give us fruit. They would, they gave us a dragon fruit. And it's funny because it's like this tropical island. And us being from America, it's like, uh, how do I eat this? We're used to like <laughs> bananas, apples, random stuff. So we didn't know how to eat that (laughs) until later. Um, It was just, I guess, what was the best part? Everyone was super nice. Everyone in Japan wanted to help you. And I think that's what I love the most. But what about you? What is your favorite hotel? I think mine is uh, a, a hotel that Amanda and I stayed at in Edinburgh when we were on our honeymoon. Um, We were, we were like, Edinburgh is beautiful and I want to go back there. That was probably my favorite location besides London that we went to, but we stayed in this hotel. I can't even really remember the name of it, but it was a minimalist hotel. It was super small. It had like you walked in, the bathroom was right there. There was a walkway and then the bed was built into the wall and the TV was built into the wall. So there was no sitting room or anything. It was just a closet, the bathroom, and your bed. And then there was secret storage everywhere. Um, but what was cool is that it was also a smart hotel room. So everything from our keys to the remote for the TV to like lights and everything was all controlled through our phone. And I don't know, it was... It was one of those hotels where it's like, I maybe I don't want to go out and explore this beautiful, beautiful city and just stay in and watch the Steve Jobs documentary with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's really yeah. cool, though, that they made it all smart. That's yeah. a smart idea. <laughs> I th- Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like the idea of smart hotels, but they're also kind of scary. Because people can like hack in and see what you're doing. And I don't know. There's also a nice charm to those old rustic or grand hotels. Oh, yes. I completely agree with that. Um, Some history in them. I once stayed at a haunted hotel in New Orleans. That was fun. Oh, I've stayed at one as well. Did anything happen to you? Uh, No, because we didn't get to stay in the room that supposedly has a haunted cat. So, or it was haunted. It was haunted by <laughs> a cat. What does a cat do? How is there a cat ghost? It's just there's a ghost that that of a cat who wanders the room and will crawl up on the bed and uh, play with little toys if you've got them in the room. And yeah, I have never heard of this, but oh my gosh! It's in Bisbee. It's in Arizona. 
That's great. That's insane. <laughs> well, I think those are all nice hotels, but there's one hotel I think we really need to talk about. So why don't we start the episode? the sister and i'm zach the brother and this is laughing at ourselves welcome to our podcast about movies each month one of us chooses a theme and we do deep dives into the films that we love hi Haley. hey zach how's it going oh it's going getting a little stir crazy what about you understandable i also am getting stir crazy um, i've got a nice glass of wine i'm ready to talk about a comfort movie today been following on NPR everything with COVID and they've got this map of like where every state is mm -hmm. and you know they have it broken down where green is fine yellow is somewhat cautious orange is you know problematic and then red is very problematic mm -hmm. and pretty much every state except for two was in red right now so it's just well shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's it's all awesome. Uh, it's scary. It's a scary disease. Everyone, wear your masks. Wash your hands, social distance, wear your mask. Just be considerate of others. This is not... Wearing a mask is not a political statement. It's just being considerate and healthy. Yes, I've actually liked it during the winter months. It kind of like, you know how um, it's like the weekend song, you can't feel your face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, with the little mask, it just like, I don't know. I think I'll keep it. That's forever. a nice protective like, layer. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. So let's see. Pop culture corner. What do you have? I've been reading so much about Dolly Parton. So I guess my big pop culture moment is her. She's just a wonderful and phenomenal person. Oh, just, absolutely. The more I read about her, I'm just... Like, why isn't this woman spoken about more? Holy crap. Yeah, I, um, Amanda's sister, my, my sister-in-law, Beth, loves Dolly Parton and especially loves the movie Nine to Five. <gasps> oh my gosh. And she, she has also said that that's one movie she might want to talk about on this show with us, um, during like, cause I know, spoiler alert, in march for women's history month we're going to be doing uh women's cinema and you know just female filmmakers and actors and actress uh, actresses and she had talked about maybe coming on for that and yeah she, i actually wanted to pick that so oh, did that's you? funny yeah that was gonna be one of my movies that i was deciding on but i'll make it set and me and uh beth will geek out over dolly parton and nice. her perfectness <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Dolly Parton is amazing. Uh, Beth always likes to talk about how Dolly Parton um, wrote, I believe it's Jolene and I Will Always Love You. Yeah. On on the same day. Like uh -huh. just those yeah. two monumental songs. She's just 
amazing. She wrote nine to five when they were filming nine to five. And she, <laughs> I guess she used her acrylic nails to get the beat down. And that's how she like performed it or something. Holy shit. Yeah. That's amazing. She, she's just amazing. I could go on and on. I adore her. But what is your pop culture corner moment? Well, in preparation for today, I was going to talk about a movie I watched last night. I was going to talk about the movie Moneyball. Don't know if you've seen that. It's the Brad Pitt movie about baseball. I'm not a big sports movie person, but that was the kind of sports movie I do like. And I could have talked about it at length, but uh, there was some news that came up today that I shared with you and a bunch of other people that I was super excited about. Uh, Elliot Page came out today uh, released a statement and he talked about how, you know, he came out as trans and it was just this very wonderful statement about where he's at and what he wants to stand for. And I don't know, it was a lovely sentiment. I've been reading just so much on Twitter about people, you know, gushing over him and, and talking about how wonderful it is. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people in the trans community who I've seen, you know, just throwing praise at him for, for coming out this way. Just, I'm so glad for him and happy. I know. And he's such a great actor. Mm-hmm. Like I love all of his work and I'm, he is, he's great in, in the umbrella Academy. And if they make that a part of his story, they don't have to, but if they make that a part of, Vanya's story in the Umbrella Academy. I think that'd be great. I saw I saw someone online say Elliot Page and Michael Sarah need to do another romantic comedy, and I was like, hell yes, that would be amazing. <gasps> oh my gosh! <laughs> so no, just huge congratulations to Elliot on you know it's it's a big move to do something that like that so publicly, but. What I love is how much love it is. I don't think I've seen anything negative. I don't want to, but I've I've been blown away about all of the support that he's getting. It's very heartwarming during this awful time. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a shit year. So props to him for doing this, you know, during this year, but props to you know other people for stepping up and going yeah good on him so that's my pop culture thing let's see all right so what are we talking about today Haley? we are talking about the grand budapest hotel by or directed by wes anderson we're starting a new theme this month oh shit (laughs) (laughs) it's just been a crazy year guys um yes we are in the month of december now we are in our hibernation movie theme it is all about comfort movies, and right now, that is what I need. I don't yes. know about you. I'm really looking forward to this month. We've got, I'm really excited about the lineup we have for this month. Doing Grand Budapest Hotel. Next month, we're doing Roman Holiday. Then my other one will be Hot Fuzz, which mm-hmm. is another comfort movie. What is your Oh, uh, and then we're going to do A Knight's Tale, which is uh, Michael's favorite movie. Yes. Uh, and then Haley mentioned uh, last week or on the last episode that 
Uh, we're also going to have our friends from Fighting Over the VCR on to talk about Karate Kid. Yeah, this is going to be a really good month. We're, we're also, I know that's already packed full, but we're also going to try and record an episode about our favorite movie experiences from the year. You know, we want to kind of do a recap on this year for the podcast. We haven't watched too many 2020 movies, so we can't do like a best of 2020. But there are some movies that I'd like to talk about that we have and haven't discussed on the podcast. And Yeah, it'll be fun to see what each of us pick as top fives top five movies for tv shows and movies for uh just during quarantine it's interesting to see what everyone has been watching i'm excited yep but um we're kicking off this this hibernation month the comfort movies ones that you can just put on at any time and uh and just enjoy because they're just nice and nice and warm and so uh, mine is, my first one is Grand Budapest Hotel. It's a 2014 comedy drama, uh, written and directed by Wes Anderson. It is about a, uh, hotel concierge and his lobby boy. Um, and basically when the concierge is framed for murder of a wealthy dowager, he and his lobby boy embark on a quest to save a painting and save his own name. Um, it's a very simple premise, but it's done in a very complex way. I love this movie. I'm just going to say I'm, I'm a little biased because Amanda and I watched this movie the day before I proposed to her. So it kind of holds a special place in my heart. Um, what did you think of this movie? Um, so I watched this movie, I think at least twice, and I never finished it through. And before the hate, don't give me those eyes. Don't. No, <laughs> he's not giving. He's, oh, he's mean. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I am giving her eyes. It's just, I'm, I'm keeping her calm because she's had a bad day. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh. Michael and I watched it. I think he just got out of boot camp or something like that. And we were both pretty exhausted because we've been trying to see everybody while he was there so he could visit. So we were just exhausted and we put it on. And it is very slow at the beginning mm -hmm. that it's kind of hard to be like, who's that person? Who's that? Who's this? Who's this? And it eventually all connects, but watching it this time i'm really glad that you had me watch <laughs> it's funny um i had some funny quotes or funny notes in here that i said because i'm hilarious um <laughs> i so this is my my little note i said at the beginning of the film that wes anderson is overrated i ate my words and they were tasty <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah, I take it back. I had a lot of fun. That's yeah. my big thing. It's you liked a it? great okay. movie. Yes. Yeah, it is it is a weird complex beginning to this movie mm -hmm. and I we'll talk about it, but there's there's a video I saw that explains why the complexity of the beginning actually works in its favor, but we'll get into that later. So you were iffy on it 
um, but you enjoyed it. I never gave it a chance, I don't think, because the beginning is very slow and kind of hard to get into. Yes. It, it The beginning is tough if you are not used to Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching a lot of his movies, and so I was used to the style, but even I was like, why are they switching aspect ratios and what's like with all these characters and jumping back and forth through time? It was... It was interesting, but I think it pays off in the end. Well, why don't we talk a little bit more about Wes Anderson? Because he's a very, like, Wes Anderson is a very recognizable director, like his art mm -hmm. style. And you know a Wes Anderson movie when you see it. So why don't we talk a little bit about him before we jump into the movie? But first, should we go on a break? Yes, let's do it. I'm a data one. And we're back. So before we talk about this movie, I want to get your impression on Wes Anderson, especially because I know you said you ate your words, but you thought he was a little overrated. What, mm -hmm. what movies of his have you seen? So he's only made like, what, nine movies? Is that right? He hasn't made too many. Yeah. So I have seen, and I have a list of it. I've seen six movies. Only, like, they're all good, but only two of them I really, really like and I could watch again. And I actually have a top list, too, of my favorite ones in order. Okay. So, number one, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. That movie is just so fun to me. That is That is a great movie, and I remember going to see that movie in theaters with the whole family and the distinct experience of sitting there and realizing that you and I were probably enjoying it, but mom, dad, and Nick were not. Yeah, they hated it. Yep. But you and I, I remember we were into it. Yes, that was so fun. But I think it's a close tie. I need to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox again because who knows? It could be second. But the second is Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest Hotel. The third is Rushmore. Uh, fourth, okay. The Royal Tenenbaums. Um, the fifth one, Life Aquatic. And then sixth is Moonrise Kingdom. That's I, I respect that rating. Um I I have seen all of his all of the movies that he's directed except for his first and his latest movie. I have not seen Bottle Rocket and I did not see Isle of Dogs. Yeah, I've heard mixed reviews about Isle of Dogs. I was iffy on seeing it just because it seemed weird that he was doing a movie about uh like a Japanese boy and set in Japan and like I don't know it just I I got some weird like cultural appropriation vibes and I saw Ooh. some stuff so I I wasn't sure Amanda and I were iffy on it I don't um, know about that one mm. yeah so Grand Budapest is my favorite a close second is Royal Tenenbaums before Grand Budapest before that came out Royal Ten Royal Tenenbaums was my favorite like I, that was a movie that 
my brother Chris in Arizona commented on one year. He was like, why do you always have the Royal Tenenbaums just in your suitcase when you come to visit? <laughs> I just, I brought that movie with me everywhere. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Is your dog Margo named after Margo in that? Margo Tenenbaum, yep. <laughs> That's her name. I love that. And you guys went as them for one year and it's Halloween. I was Chaz, our friend uh, Katie went as Margot, and then um, Amanda went as um, Richie. So that was good. Um, I think my third favorite Wes Anderson is The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Then it, it's got to be fantastic, Mr. Fox. <laughs> Wait, before you continue on, I remember you had a life aquatic hat. Do you remember that? Oh, yep. <laughs> I still have it. It has you a do? hole in it, but I still have it. Yep. It's got the big emblem, the, yep, Steve Zizou. Coolest Loved hat, that hat ever. Yeah, Darjeeling Limited comes after Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, I've only seen Darjeeling once. I need to rewatch it. My least favorite of his is Moonrise Kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, I know there are people that love that movie, but it made me very uncomfortable. I think mainly because of the scene where there's the kids in the underwear just dancing around on the beach. And I don't know. It... I think, yes, that was like, if they would have left it just at that, it would have been like, meh, okay. But he just made it progress where it just got uncomfortable and that's yeah. where I'm no and I it's funny because I go on letterbox and no one talks about it I'm like why is no one uncomfortable about this this is not okay yeah I know that is a well-regarded movie in his filmography and it has a very good cast oh I yeah I love the cast uh but I could not get it. I remember going to see that with my friend Morgan from high school and she and I both, we walked out and we're like, nope, that was not, that did not work for us. Oh gosh. <laughs> so. Um, I um, didn't hear you say Rushmore. Oh yeah. Rushmore. Um, Rushmore would probably be, it would be fantastic. Mr. Fox, Rushmore, Darjeeling. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to really, really like Rushmore. Um, it's kind of gone down a little bit for me, but I think it's still a good movie. Yeah. His his best to me is the one-two punch of Grand Budapest and Royal Tenenbaums. Mm -hmm. um, so that was your ranking. Do you own any of his movies or do you re-watch any of them at all? I do not. I appreciate his films. They are probably... They are the prettiest movies you'll ever see, ever. Uh, the way he just, he just has a, I love his aesthetic. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Who knew, like, someone could, like, have that strong of an aesthetic that it just carries on all the way through, and it works, and it's so good, it's so unique. Um, yeah. But what do you think is the prettiest Wes Anderson film? Uh, probably either this, uh, Grand Budapest, or Fantastic Mr. Fox. Really? Yeah, I think Grand Budapest has my favorite shot in any of his movies, and it's the shot of Saoirse Ronan on the uh, merry-go-round. <gasps> yeah! And the close-up with the lights behind her. I. So, yeah, I I think 
Grand Budapest is probably his prettiest just with the colors. I mean, it won a few Academy Awards just based on like the production design and costumes and makeup. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. I, I think it's right. What do you think is his prettiest? Well, this is going to be a little bit controversial after we just spoke on it. But I would have to say Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah? I remember being um, just very whimsical and stuff. I wish it didn't have some parts that it did. Yeah, that one is probably the prettiest to me. But Grand Budapest is a close second. Agreed. And... You, you you used a word and it made me think. So you said it's very whimsical. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where it originated from, but on Pajiba they used to talk about movies from Wes Anderson and movies like this one as whimsa quirkalicious. <laughs> where you know the there was a period of time I think when I was in high school sophomore junior year of high school so that would have been like oh 2004 2005 um up through college where the hipster emo thing was also to be very into quirky stuff Mm -hmm. so whimsical quirky is you know this is where you get the manic pixie dream girl yep you know zoe deschanel was very big during this time oh absolutely Uh, yeah, you had Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with like, you know, just the the heartfelt movies that were a little a little quirky, a little weird. And Wes Anderson was was and still is very much, I think, tied to that movement of just these are whimsical little stories that this guy is telling. Mm-hmm. And I think it can discount what I think is very good filmmaking. But I think it's some valid criticism. I mean, I I don't think Wes Anderson is a film director everyone will probably like. No. I think <laughs> it is fair to say that he is, he does not make films for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes films that he's interested in and he's got a very specific style and tone and the way he writes his characters and I know from experience that that turns some people off, mm-hmm. which is a fair criticism. Like his his movies are very like sometimes white privilege stuff, and it's he's very much into just his own thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I I get the criticism against him. Um, I still think he's a good filmmaker, though. I don't know. A lot of his stuff is just very, whenever I watch it, I'm like, that guy again. It's just like, he uses the same cast all the time. So maybe like he knows what he likes or like you said. Um, But yeah, I think it it definitely could use some diverse members and all that. But yep. I I think one of the best ways I saw it described, um, and I think this was also on Pajiba. I don't remember where I saw it. But um, in the movie Rushmore, mm-hmm. uh, the main character, Max, he is a very weird, quirky guy with a lot of, a lot of uh, idiosyncrasies. And 
he is very adamant about putting on these strange, elaborate plays for his high school. And they're clearly not things that anyone in the room is into except for him. And this article that I saw in Pajiba said that every movie after Rushmore is basically a play that Max from a play that Max from Rushmore would have put on for his high school. Mm-hmm. They feel very much like not necessarily rooted in the real world. They're quirky. They have this kind of almost off kilter feel to them. This not authentic, but it feels like something that would come out of the imagination of someone who is a little out there, but still has some stuff. So I kind of like to think of all of his movies, Life Aquatic especially, as like movies that that character would have made or, you know, would have made. That's an interesting concept. I wonder if uh, Wes Anderson, like, he's that character. I mean, I don't know him, but I did watch a, a documentary on Grand Budapest Hotel, and it was one where it just like followed him around and showed how he talked to his actors and... I was like, oh yeah, this he's he's Max, like he's Max from Rushmore. That's so, funny. <laughs> yeah, I I would kind of bet that. But um, how many times have you seen Grand Budapest? Probably six or seven times. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, it again. It's it's tied in with like very happy memories with Amanda, mm-hmm. um, and it's. I mean, it's you know this month. It's a comfort movie. Mm-hmm. Like I'll. I will put on Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, and Grand Budapest as just kind of a revolving, um, just happy, feel-good times, even though there are some times where those movies are not feel-good. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I've seen it a few times. You said this was your second time trying to watch This is your first time watching it all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well this movie has a pretty phenomenal cast. Uh, yeah. So it stars, the main star is Ray Fiennes, uh, who you may recognize as either Voldemort, Voldemort from the Harry Potter, movie, Harry Potter movies, um, or basically in any villain role ever. Like he's the main Nazi villain in Schindler's List. He's in, he's the evil villain boss and in Bruges, like he, he has the villain stuff down pat. And so I think this is his best movie. Oh my gosh. This movie was, this movie would not have been as good without this character. He is amazing. Oh my gosh. Ray Fiennes did amazing in this. I love seeing him in a comedy movie. Him trying to do poetry and then being cut off or just stopping and swearing. (laughs) I remember in the theater just losing my mind at how funny that was. But um, so happy he's in it. We've got Tony Ravolri as Zero Mustava. That's the younger Zero. He is uh, Flash in Spider-Man Homecoming. And Far From Home. 
the one who's a dick to Peter Parker. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. That's him. Uh, the older Zero Mustafa uh, is played by F. Murray Abraham. Uh, there's Adrian Brody. We've got Willem Dafoe. Love Willem Dafoe. We've, Evil Willem Dafoe. This is our Dafoe. second movie. Evil Willem Dafoe. Did he just throw my cat out a window? <laughs> um, Saoirse Ronan, Tilda Swinton, Edward Norton, uh, Matthew Almerich, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Tom Wilkinson, Bill Murray, Jason Schwartzman, <laughs> Leah Sado, Owen Wilson. Like, And then there's also just a bunch of cameo spots throughout as well. Mm -hmm. Like Wes Anderson is known for stacking his casts and I know a lot of actors want to work with him. I know Bill Murray has been in pretty much all of Wes Anderson's movies. Owen Wilson too. Most of them, I believe. Um, I know Bill Murray and one other person, uh, signed on even without reading the script like i think i think bill murray is just always going to be in wes anderson movie and i know bill murray's one of the main stars of uh wes anderson's next movie that's coming out the french dispatch which i really want to see because that has timothy chalamet (gasps) timmy t yep (laughs) um yeah no i mean no complaints on this cast. It's amazing. No. Yeah, it's um, really good. Did you have did you have a favorite character in the movie? Um Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> Gustav. Yeah, Gustav is very good. I I'm always partial to Sersha Ronan. She's great. She she seemed like a weird choice for a Wes Anderson movie, and I read that she even was like reticent about starring in this, but once they talked, she was all in. I I will always have a soft spot in any Wes Anderson movie for Willem Dafoe and Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Those two will always be amazing. I mean, I always think of Life Aquatic when Willem Dafoe is just the sweet, sweet little German man, <laughs> and then... Jeff Goldblum is the cocky dude that he always plays. Yeah. <laughs> so, but okay, well, yeah, that's the cast, and you know, I've got some scenes I want to talk about, but maybe we should go to another commercial break. Yes. And we're back. So we've, I think, introduced the movie enough. Uh, let's talk about it. So you. You said that you ate your words about uh, Wes Anderson being overrated. What is it about this movie that you enjoyed? I enjoyed all of Gustav. Is that his name? Gustav, yep. Gustav. I enjoyed all of his lines. Oh, my gosh. There was just some that I was just, like, laughing at. I had to pause it um, and rewind it because what was the one that I laughed at? My heir will be yours, except whatever we spend on whores and whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Is he flirting with you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just like these uh, little things. He was just amazing in this. There is, oh, holy shit, you got him. 
just <laughs> all of these random things. I'd rather, oh no, this one is my favorite one. And me and Michael were just laughing. I'd rather jump off this fucking cliff than go back to prison. <laughs> <laughs> I know, he's um, hilarious with this. Take your hands off my lobby boy. <laughs> He's just so prim and proper, and then when he explodes and starts cursing. Yes, when all of the people are like, are you Gustav? Blah, 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 blah. He's like, yes, I am, damn it, after like the millionth <laughs> time. <laughs> all of his little oh. explosions are just making me laugh so much. But just uh. like the little one-liners, I there's these little moments that not many like few movies get some of those here and there that are really cute but they're all sprinkled in this whole movie and it's just so fun to get like it's just consistently good and I think that's what I enjoy about this I know it's I I do really appreciate how like there are so many people who are trying to be prim and proper but it always falls apart and you know I mentioned the like so many characters try to recite poetry to sound distinguished and they all end up just going, oh, fuck. <laughs> Did you notice that only one person gets to finish some poetry in this? No, I didn't know that. The only person who gets to finish the poem they start is Saoirse Ronan at the end. Oh. When they're all like celebrating together. Mm-hmm. She's the only one who gets to finish it. Otherwise, everyone gets interrupted or stops themselves and swears. Yes. <laughs> what is the scene for you that stuck out that is your favorite? I think it's a tie between the prison escape sequence, uh, where Gustav is breaking out of prison with Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel and his gang, and um, the downhill ski scene. Mm, like yeah. the whole thing at the monastery that shifts to them like chasing and <laughs> yeah i really like all the miniatures that they make for this movie and all the background like the art painted sets that they did mm-hmm. for for so i like the little know. uh ski lift scene yep that whole section but yeah i also really liked the the prison escape, you know, them going through the one guy, like killing all the guards. Harvey Keitel was hilarious. Uh, I know the scene where they get out of the prison. Not only do I love the, the bit where it's uh, Ray Fiennes and the guy who plays zero, they're like, okay, so do you have a disguise? Do you have this? And he keeps going, no, I don't have any of that. And he's, like, yelling at him while the other prisoners are murdering someone in the background. Mm -hmm. Right before they walked away, this was one of the facts I read, you know how the one character slaps Zero's face? He's like, nice to meet you, kid, slaps him in the face and runs away. They had to do that 48 times. Why? I guess it's just because Wes Anderson wanted it a specific way. And Harvey Keitel, that actor, slapped the other actor 48 times. <laughs> it was like a hard slap, too. I know. Did you have a favorite scene? Like I said, there's just so many, like, little, like, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I have my hands in little things, and I'm putting them to my mouth. It's like a little snack. 
that I enjoy. Yep. <laughs> all of these little, I don't have a favorite scene. It's just all fun. I like, I like the scene when they're making out in the movie theater and she just throws <laughs> off his lobby hat. It's just so dramatic. Yep. I love that. Um, <laughs> I like when he, uh, I think this one I laughed the hardest at is the lobby boys talking to Sir Ronan and he's saying to her, um, just basically like, I committed a crime and I'm going to need you to find this painting for me because I have to go away for a little <laughs> bit. So he says to Sersha, hide this. She's like, no. He's like, okay, but take it anyway. And as it's <laughs> swirling around, it's just like left for her. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, those are good. They had really good chemistry. I liked them. They do. <laughs> I mean, the the shot of Saoirse Ronan on the merry-go-round with the lights behind her, and then the shot of Zero and Agatha in the bakery truck where they're surrounded by all the pink boxes. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Chef's kiss. Yes, it is chef's kiss. Okay, so... Oh, wait. I do have a favorite scene. Okay, so my favorite scene is uh, when Gustav is hanging <laughs> from the cliff after they did that <laughs> glorious sledding scene. And he's hanging off, and Willem Dafoe is just trying to intimidate him. He's stomping on... Uh, the ground and it's making the ground crack and everything and all of a sudden uh the lobby boy comes out of nowhere and just shoves Willem Dafoe <laughs> over the mountain <laughs> and <laughs> Gustav's response is holy shit you got him <laughs> I know <laughs> oh my gosh that was so good I know Gustav's oh. swearing in this is just as as you like to say chef's kiss it's just amazing yes it is so good um me and michael were feeling a little trippy during this movie because it'll just change like different films like we started to freak out we're like why is the film getting smaller why is it turning black and white what is happening <laughs> does he have like explanations to why he picks certain things like that yeah so um there, there are three main, um, there are three main aspect ratios that are used in this movie, and he wanted to use those um, to differentiate the time period. So the one that takes place in the eighties, um, and that's the like older author, and then the little the the woman, the young woman who goes to see the authors. Um, uh, grave site that's meant to be in the aspect ratio of what you would see on like TVs in the eighties and nineties. So it was meant to be time era appropriate. And then the, um, the aspect ratio, you know how it was a really small box with all the stuff with Gustav, you know, how there was the big border. Uh, that was the aspect ratio of, what the old TVs were like in the thirties and forties and like back then. And then when it shows the stuff with, 
uh, Jude Law and F. Murray Abrams. And, you know, when the writer is young, but it's the older zero, uh, that is meant to be cinemascope. That's the aspect ratio that was used in the 70s, I believe, 60s or 70s. And it was like when they would shoot westerns to show like the wide open, you know, crazy landscapes. That was very big in Hollywood to use, um, to use cinemascope, which was that weird aspect ratio. So what he was trying to do was he was using the aspect ratio that was appropriate for the time period that the story was in at any given moment. That's really cool. Yeah, and apparently he had wanted to work with a bunch of those different aspect ratios but had never really done it before. And so um, there was, there's actually this video, maybe I'll send it to you afterwards. Um, I know I've sent you a few of the movies with Mikey video essays where he does like in-depth analysis on different movies. And he did one on Grand Budapest and he was talking about how this movie is all about frames. People hunting for like the frames of paintings, people being framed for something. Um, and then in you know, every shot containing a frame, like people are framed perfectly in the camera. And then when you have the stuff with Gustav, like the black bars on the side create a frame for the movie and you're supposed to be seeing almost kind of in a weird way, almost like interstellar, like you're going down multiple layers to just hear this one story about a lobby boy and the man he looked up to. I think it's an interesting device. I don't think it's explained well. But I think it's interesting. What, why did it stick out to you? You said it was freaking you guys out. <laughs> um, it was during like the scene where they're dressed in those uh, kind of rag rugged clothes. And the screen starts getting smaller. And me and Michael are like, what is going on? <laughs> and it was, I mean, the way you explain it, it's very cool that he did that. And I love... Um, detailed he is he's very detail oriented obviously like his films are just perfect yeah one thing and this is going to be weird have you seen punch drunk love yeah that's probably my favorite adam sandler movie and part of the reason i like it is that it takes the character that adam sandler has been playing for most of his life the like goofy, lovable, but also someone who's filled with rage character that, you know, he plays in Happy Gilmore and Big Daddy and Billy Madison. He takes that character out of the Happy Gilmore world and puts it into the real world. So you get an explanation as to why he's maybe filled with so much rage. Okay, so Wes Anderson is very much known for doing those whimsical, quirky movies that are just not real or believable. And I think Grand Budapest Hotel gives a reason to have a whimsical, quirky, 
style. And it's part of the Movies with Mikey video that I watched where it talks about the older Zero, the, the older man who's talking to Jude Law, is clearly a very sad man and has experienced some very terrible things. He lost his family to war. He lost his best friend, Gustav, to Nazis. And then his mm -hmm. wife and his son died due to an illness that he couldn't help them with. And since then, he has just kind of sat in his sadness for his entire life. So the, the character of Zero is very sad, but the story he tells is very whimsical. And it seems like it's whimsical so that he can protect himself from the tragedy that he's experienced. And I think like Punch Drunk Love giving a reason for the Adam Sandler character to be all weird the way he is and giving it a real explanation. I think Grand Budapest Hotel helps explain why Wes Anderson makes the move, makes his movies the way he does. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a weird shell, a weird quirky shell to hide actual pain, which some people do. His characters are all very, they are all dealing with trauma in some sort of way. I kind of notice they all have, um, they're all kind of depressed. Um, but yes. it's, it, you know what Wes Anderson reminds me of? He reminds me of, and it wouldn't go well to like his type of soundtrack, but it reminds me of Paramore's uh, After Lactor, where all of the songs are just about like, mental health and it's a disco basically i get that yeah i obviously it wouldn't like he wouldn't use them in his films but it's the same absolutely not it's the same kind of feeling of like you know the what isn't there even the song on after laughter fake happy where um it's a very upbeat and poppy song but it's her talking about how she's not really happy she's crying inside constantly Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I really like that, Haley. Yeah. And and that gets at what I think, for my three favorite Wes Anderson movies, and I think when he does any movie well, he does this, There are usu there's usually a line at the end of a Wes Anderson movie that really hits home at the emotional core of what the movie is trying to do. And... Um, in in Royal Tenenbaums, when all of the chaos is going on and that car has crashed into the building and everyone's panicking, you know, Chaz's character says, Dad, I've had kind of a rough year. And his dad goes, I know, Chazzy, I know. And it's like the first bonding moment you see between them. That makes me tear up every time. In Life mm -hmm. Aquatic, when they see the shark at the end, and Bill Murray's character is crying and he says, do you think he remembers me? And everyone puts their hand on Bill Murray. Another moment where it's like all this weird stuff has been building up to just the one true moment this character has. 
And this movie, also with all the weird, quirky stuff, it builds to the to the ending where Jude Law's character asks the older Zero, why do you why do you keep this place? Is it for Gustav? And he says, the hotel I keep for Agatha. We were happy here for a little while. And just the way that he delivers that line is a gut punch to me every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote that down. I like that. And I also, in watching it this time, at that moment when he like lifts up his jacket and he shows the button that he wears that was Agatha's, mm-hmm. I thought I thought of Carl from Up. Oh, that's what I thought of too. The purple grape soda or grape soda. <laughs> yep. I know that was a very long-winded way to just talk about how I I think this movie is Wes Anderson's most accessible because it explains why he makes quirky movies the way that he does because he can't I don't think that he can talk about whatever trauma or sadness he's dealing with directly so he has to wrap it in a pretty bow mm-hmm. this movie um, this is going to sound weird but it's kind of an ASMR but for your eyes <laughs> <laughs> like it's relaxing for your eyes. <laughs> Do you right? get what I'm saying? No, absolutely. Like even even though there's <laughs> bright colors, yeah. It's very like um how does he like does he make his sets? Like everything is gorgeous. Yeah, uh so the hotel that they filmed in that it was an actual hotel that they filmed uh-huh. in. Um and so yeah, they they had set designers going and paint everything, but he is very specific about what he wants stuff to look like. And I think the like backgrounds that he does, the very pretty painted backgrounds, those seem to be a result of fantastic Mr. Fox. Like the, Mm. you know, yeah, he's, he's got a really cool way of designing his, his shots. Well, even from, like, the shots and the setting, it's also, like, everything, like, from the food. Like, when, I don't know why this stood out to me, but when uh, when they're filming in the prison and the guards are cutting everything up to make sure no weapons are hidden in it, just, like, the bread. Like, who makes beautiful bread like that or, like, that block of cheese? Like, is that even <laughs> real? Like, how does he find these, like, little things? Like, everything is so satisfying. Oh, he he is notoriously very detail-oriented. Um, all of the newspapers that they show, whenever they show a close-up, he wrote full stories for the entire page so that if you, like, paused and zoomed in you could read about what was going to happen in the movie later or you know explanations of you know when it shows Tilda Swinton's death it's not just random words he wrote out full newspaper stories um there's the story of Ray Fiennes who in seeing how detail-oriented um Wes Anderson was he wanted to make his character that detail-oriented so the notebook that he carries around and writes notes in in the movie 
originally they gave him one without lines on the page. And he said, no, Gustav is very technical. He should have lined notebooks. So they had to switch the prop, even though you never see the notebook. That's how detailed they went. <laughs> I bet it's not enjoyable to work for him. But I mean, <laughs> after seeing the finished product, you can appreciate everything he does. Yeah, I, I can't tell. I mean, there's a lot of actors who go back to work with him. And the actor who plays um, the older Zero, F. Murray Abraham, he mm-hmm. said that he is he's his favorite director to work with, that while he may be very detailed, he creates a family. Like, he oh, uses cool. all, all the same crew. He uses many of the same actors. So it's everyone coming back together with a shared vision to make the film. So That's I don't cool. know, but I get, I totally get what you mean, Haley. The, it is, I don't know what you'd call it, but like it's relaxing ASMR for the, for the eyes. It's, that's why <laughs> I chose eyes. it. It's why I chose it for this month because I can just, I can put this on. It's nice and pretty. I can, you know, I don't have to pay full attention to it, but I still, you know, hearing Ray Fiennes, you know, say, oh, fuck it, or, you know, screaming, oh, shit, you got him, you know, like, that still makes me laugh, even out of context, it's... I can see why that, um, it's very easy, or it's a relaxing movie for you to watch, um, have you seen those videos? There's these long ASMR videos of people, that people watch to help them go to sleep, and that's a movie that I think anyone could watch in order to go to sleep. I agree. If they needed to. Like, it's not boring by any means. It's just very relaxing. Yep. Yep, it's very relaxing, but if you dig into it, it's also very touching and sad and heartbreaking, but also very funny. It, yeah, it, it just works. I think it's a good December movie. I completely agree. And I also think it's a good time for a commercial break. I be a boop. <laughs> and we're back. So, Haley, any other scenes that you wanted to talk about? I mainly just had a few comments. Uh, and those comments were, uh, one, I miss Jude Law. I haven't really seen him much lately. And this movie just made me miss him. And I want him in more things again. Um, Jude, do you like Jude great. Law? Mm-hmm. I loved him in I know Artificial he's doing... Intelligence. Yeah, he was very good in that. I like him in the Sherlock Holmes movies with mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Um, I know he's been doing some TV lately. That might be why we haven't seen him in too many movies. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Because for a while, there was a long time that I, he just wasn't in anything. But that could be why. Um, and then my other comment is, I want a Mendel cake. Oh, yes. All of that looks so delicious. Oh, I want one. I want yeah, him to make had... a cookbook. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Right? Based on every... Oh, what an amazing idea, Haley. Call him right now. Do it. <laughs> no one take it. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> TM, 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 TM. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm copywriting it now. It's mine. 
Um, but yeah. Yep. What a great, like, that would be a great gift to give anyone. Like, here are very aesthetically pleasing uh, things that probably taste delicious. Yeah, I, uh, aesthetically pleasing, yeah. So it's stuff for you to look at. No one could make his impeccable vision except for people on Great British Bake Off or something. Yeah, they should do like a movie theme where they do like Mendel or do like certain cakes or whatever from movies. Oh, it looks like people have made Wes Anderson cookbooks. Oh, they have? Yeah. Book haul, Wes Anderson collection, and bake quick. Oh, wait, no. Never mind. That's... Maybe not. I lied. Wait. I don't know. I'll have to look into this more. That's a great idea. TM, 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 TM. <laughs> it's our idea. You can't take it. Even though he made exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, those who? are all my comments. Um, do you have anything to add? No, I, I just, I love this movie. It's a nice, comforting movie. Yeah, I wanted to talk about a Wes Anderson film, and I figured this was the easiest one to discuss. So, yes, I'm um, glad yeah. you picked it because I needed to rewatch it again and give it a chance, and I'm glad I did because this movie was so much fun. I would definitely rewatch awesome. this. I don't really watch Wes Anderson movies just because it does have that hidden tone of sadness. But this is one I would watch again. Did Michael like it? Yes, he loved it. He was supposed to be studying for a math test and he got sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we, in continuing our, hib our hibernation month, our comfort movies, uh, the next movie is your pick. What are we watching? Yes, we're watching Roman Holiday. And what's really fun about this movie is I actually watched it at the very beginning of quarantine. I was just kind of in the mood for an old, um, just an old movie, just something relaxing where there wasn't a lot of movement or anything like that. And I put this on and... I was giggling like I don't really laugh like Michael was somewhere else doing something and I never laughed like by myself at a movie but I was just laughing so much Audrey Hepburn is amazing in this she plays a princess that just wants a break for a day and that's all you'll get and it's so good it's I'm excited for you to watch it but it definitely cheered me up after our at the beginning of quarantine. So I'm looking forward to watching it again. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've never seen this movie, uh, but I know it's Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck. They're both amazing. I'm, I'm excited to see this um, and talk to you. I, I don't always watch older films, but I'm all for it with with this cast. And then since you, you love it, I'm, I'm all in. Yes, yes, it's really good. I think it's a good one to follow this because it is kind of quirky and cute. All right, well, um, please rate and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on, um, and you know, let other people know to check us out as well. We'd love to hear your feedback and you know, find out what we can do to make this show enjoyable because we have a blast making it. Please follow us on Instagram at us laughing at us and 
Twitter at Siblings Laugh. And tell, well, when we're out of quarantine, you can tell a lobby person that we say hi. And buy them some cologne. (laughs) This has been Laughing at Ourselves. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.